Welcome everyone to episode 28 of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stu Watts and today I talked with Melbourne-based dance music producer London Topaz. Today we talked about how he focuses on retaining excitement during the songwriting process. Also how he has a clear intention when going in the studio with other artists and also how he lets intuition guide his whole process. Uh, If you could do us a favor and uh, share this podcast on all of your socials, uh, whether that's in a DM, on a story, or in just a normal day-to-day conversation with anyone, if you think they might be interested, let them know about this podcast. That's how we can share it with as many people as possible. And also, if you could do us a favor and hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform of choice to stay up to date with each new episode. Hope you like this episode. This is episode 28 with London Topaz. Let's go. You're listening to What's That Sound with your host, Stu Watts. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of What's That Sound podcast. My name's Stuart. Today I'm here with London Topaz. London, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you for having me, Stu. Good to see you. <laughs> Nick, I know you yeah, as Nick. Yeah. Everyone, you know, London Topaz is your stage name, but I know, I know you as Nick. We've known each other a little bit, but, um, you know, if, if anyone doesn't know who you are, give us a bit of a rundown about who you are and what you do in the music industry. Yeah, so uh, obviously London Topaz um, is my stage name, um, dance electronic uh, music artist based in Melbourne. Um, been at it for about four or five years now. Um, and yeah, got a bunch of new music that I'm releasing this year. So super pumped to, uh, to, to have it all out into the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, we met obviously through being here at Marshall Street Studios. You rented a room here and, um, you know, we've talked about your music and my music over the time and uh, it's really cool to see you finally uh, get back on the old uh, releasing train and, and getting some songs out there. And finally. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We've been talking about it for a long time so it's really cool to see. But um, we'll get to that. Let's um, take it all the way back to where music first started for you. Where did it come into your life? Um, so I played guitar when I was young. Um, I suppose sort of that was probably the first, first memory of music and, um, and, and sort of what, what got me into it. Um, but yeah, generally sort of like it was guitar and then, uh, sort of discovered dance music, uh, always used to buy like the ministry of sounds, mm-hmm. um, like compilations yeah. and, um, just used to play them, uh, flat stick as a kid. So, uh, yeah, used to sort of like always just be interested in it. Um, and then that sort of evolved into, um, downloading music um, and then, you know, playing house parties. So dad bought me when I was like 12, 13, like some some decks. Um, and, yeah, I think there was sort of like that was like my hobby um, mm. for, for most of my teens. So just learned the art of DJing, um, you know, discovered music um, and then just started playing house parties for friends and local parties in the area. Classic. Um, and then that sort of eventuated into um, – messing around with production um, mm. and it was never like a serious a serious thing at that age, mm. um, re- you know, released terrible, um, I don't even know if SoundCloud was around back then, but used to release <laughs> like, you know, terrible like um, remixes and edits of, you know, like uh, like old R&B tracks and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so used to do a bunch of that and, um, yeah, only when I was sort of like, you know, 25 or 24, like I sort of made the, made the decision that I was going to, try and make it a thing um, yeah, yeah. and yeah here we are yeah so you know when you were DJing and stuff was it just like being the party DJ you didn't have any original music back then no it wasn't original music I mean I probably like trying to think back there was there was probably some stuff out there but yeah. it was it never was anything that I took serious um, you know I think back then it was just trying to replicate what other artists were doing and mm. then releasing it. There was no, yep. you know, originality or, or like um, authentic touch to, to the music at that, at that yeah. point. So it was a lot about just trial and error, ripping things off yeah, um, and yeah. having no real sort of technical understanding of what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, it was just fun. yeah, no, that's cool. But I, I'm like, I remember the, 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 you know, 
in high school and stuff when there was the DJ that <laughs> yeah. used to like DJ all the parties and yeah. stuff. It did seem like, oh, fuck, they know what they're doing. You know, well, what I mean? it was, was like, that person. I think it was like there was yeah. a couple of us, but I was generally getting booked for majority of like majority of the house parties. And yeah. um, like, I mean, I don't know when you're like, you know, w- w- when you're a cool kid and you know you're yeah. DJing, it's yeah, like yeah, it's, it's, mad. It's, it's mad. Yeah, it's so, so, it's so good. Um, I think like I was definitely on like a bit of an ego trip. Um, back when I was sixteen, I thought I was the coolest kid ever. Yeah, you like got to stand behind the deck. Don't don't touch. Yeah. Don't touch the gear. And I was just redlining the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Why does it sound like shit? That's, it's intentional. Don't worry about it. Yeah, sick. No, that's cool. So when you started like learning about production, how how did you go about that? Like what you know what introduced you to that as well? Yeah, I think. Um, like to be totally honest, like I think it was like over a ten year period, like, mm-hmm. and it, it probably started from when, um, when it was a hobby and when I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, mm-hmm. like I think I would like pick it up and I'd put it back down and I would get frustrated with things. Um, mm-hmm. you know, looking back now it was probably like the art of failure back mm-hmm. then. Do you know what I mean? Like just not understanding what I was doing, um, and then coming back and giving it another shot. Um, and that might have been, you know, like you know, three months at a time or whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. Um. But, you know, it probably started back then. Um, And then there was a period, I think, where, you know, like I sort of like grew up and like I hit sort of like that that 22, 23 age where Mm. like, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life um, and I tried a bunch of different things. Mm. um, And I think I just set my intention on, you know, really focusing on production. Um, And, you know, during that period, I think, you know, there was a lot of like big EDM sort of tunes coming out mm-hmm. um, and, you know, they were all like, you know, um, melodic focused um, and there was sort of like a lot of emotion coming through that for me. So I think mm-hmm. that sort of like really started to shape what I wanted to do and and like the like sort of I developed a clearer vision, I suppose, into sort of like what I wanted to get out of the music. So, um, you know, like having a couple of set things in stone that I wanted to achieve, like I just started to focus on that. Yeah. So it was a lot about like building like, you know, like um, melancholy or like moody chords and then like seeing what I could do in mm. that world and then, you know, like maybe putting, you know, like, I mean, house music is like pretty basic in terms of like, you know, a f- uh, like four to the four, four sort yeah, of yeah, kick. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, even just like, you know, ripping a bunch of like percussion loops. So yeah. there was no real, there was no real like method to the madness, I suppose, mm. other than like trial and error and just seeing if I fell on something that felt authentic. Yeah. So where did you like, who, who showed you like the production side of things? Like, was there, did you look up artists on YouTube and be like, well, how do they do it? Or what, what was all that about? No, like I, uh, there was, I, I honestly didn't like learn anything from any tutorials or anything. Yeah. I think it was like quite simply just like, um, opening FL studio at the time, yeah. um, and just trying to figure it out for myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I don't remember like sitting down with anyone. Yeah. Um, or you know even looking at t- tutorials. Like yeah. everything was like self-taught. Um, yeah, I think there was yeah there was nothing really that yeah. that, that I think that it's was. cool because it's like I've had a couple of the guests in the past say the exact same thing, and I think the authenticity comes through when you're learning by yourself. Yeah. You know and, and you know, the only way that I can reflect on that is when I was first starting back in, you know, 2010 or whatever it was with my mate Trav, we were, there wasn't YouTube tutorials or anything. Like people weren't really doing that back then. So it was like, you just open up the computer, hit record and see yeah. what happened. Yeah. And you'd fail so much, but you wouldn't yeah. realise that you were failing. Yeah. So it kind of didn't stop you from doing it the, the wrong way. Yeah. Had you guys released really cool, music back then? Like, yeah, or was it, yeah. And it was shit. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like crap. Yeah. But that's, it's, that's the thing is it, it, it never stopped you from doing that. You yeah. weren't like inhibited by going, I know I'm doing this the right, the wrong way. Yeah. So therefore I'm not going to put it out there. Yes. You kind of yeah. just did it anyway. Yeah. 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 Well, I feel like also back then as well, like, you know, like we didn't have so much access to, yeah. to you know, like Instagram, TikTok and whatnot where yep. there was like, you know, every second video you saw, whether it was like, you know, for instance, like my TikTok feed now is like a lot of like, you know, production techniques, tutorials mm. and whatnot. So it's yep. like when you almost like when, when you're getting like like your algorithms are like mm. catered to this, it like it puts yep. so much information in your head yep. and it sort of like removes, I suppose, like the authenticity. Whereas like, you know, mm. we speak of back then when you were working with your friend. Yeah. It's like, you know, 
I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Yeah. And who gives a fuck yeah, if I am? Also, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what exactly. I mean? And yeah, like with the, the algorithm thing, it's, it's like, yeah, you're fed all this stuff and it puts like this, like, oh, that's how you're supposed to do it sort yeah. of way in your, yeah. in your head and you yeah. don't really like just go with the flow as much. You, no. You're thinking more and yeah. you're kind of going, all right, let's try and get this the right way, which yes. takes a lot longer, which yeah. is it's good obviously to learn whether if if it is the right information, it's good to learn from from other people and learn from the masters and things like that. And it's definitely a good idea to invest in your you know abilities by learning from those sorts of things. Yeah, of but even things like you know Splice didn't exist back then. No. You couldn't get you, you had to find guerrilla ways of like yeah. trying yeah. to yeah. find these sound sources. Yes. Otherwise, you were producing it completely by yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. with like shitty sounding synths and like. Yeah. Yeah, you know, samples that you'd illegally downloaded and stuff <laughs> like yeah. That's true. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was funny, like it's and that's the thing, like the like the accessibility to like, um, to like samples and whatnot. Like you know, I'll jump on Splice now and mm. I can literally like, if I need to find inspiration, I can hit the, I can hit what key I'm in. Yeah, I can type if I want like a loop, what synth, if I want yep. drums or if I want atmosphere, and I can see the genre mm-hmm. and I can go and find instant inspiration. Yep. Whereas like back then, it was like to you had to like crate dig to find yeah. things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like when you got it, it was like geez, like that was an effort. Oh yeah. And it was like, when you, when you found that sound, it was like, okay, this is what I need to really focus on. And you probably spent a lot more time on the one sample, the one sound or like trying to get the right synth patch or something like that. You probably focus on that a whole lot more than these days with all the presets that are available, all the splice stuff, all the output arcade and all that sort of stuff. It's all there for you. So you don't really have to tweak as much. No, You can focus more, which in some ways for songwriting especially is, is a really good thing. You know, it's like if you can just go that straight away and just write it and, yeah. and get it out of the way. I think that's that's yeah. beneficial for a lot of people as well. But, yeah. yeah, talk to us more about, like, your process now and, you know, obviously you've you've been doing it for 10 years or so now. What the process looks like now and how it differs from, say, five years ago when you were releasing stuff, like, at the start? Yeah, so, like, I suppose, like, the process now for me, like, where I'm at, like, right in this moment is, like, I – I really focus on like letting ideas be ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I just sort of I think over the last six months, like I really sort of um, like looked at what type of like producer and creative I am and it's like, you know, realistically like I'm not – I don't love the technical side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, like I really love being the creative like ideas guy. Mm-hmm. Like I love finding like new ideas, um, creating moments when I'm writing. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, you know, for instance, for me now, like I don't care – how terrible things sound like in that process of forming an idea mm-hmm. for me it's about like if i have like the foundational elements of something that's special mm-hmm. then that means more than having something that sounds good in the initial yeah. stage because i can always go back and like caress a sound or change a mm-hmm. sound or like you know sit off it for you know two three days and come back and realize that it might not have been a good idea mm-hmm. as what i thought and that might be that i don't have the correct sound or it just might be a terrible idea one mm-hmm. of the two but for me um, you know, like getting the flow of ideas out is really, really, really important for me. Um, mm. just because my music is so like, like, like emotion based. Mm. Um, so for me, it might be, you know, setting a 16 bar loop and, you know, um, creating a moment that I envision would be special within a set of mine. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or like, cool. um, doing something like that. So for mm. instance, like, you know, I might, try and be really chill about the process and just be in bed, um, you know, watching, you know, whether it's like a like a live set from an artist that, um, that I really like and seeing a moment in their set that really resonates with me mm. and then being like what is it about like this and that and the sound and, you know, like the light show, whatever it is that that is making me feel something and then go and write like 16 bars. And once cool. I once I do the 16 bars, then I just close it. Mm. Once I get the idea out, I close it. And yeah, it's like I'm not yeah. focusing on sounds, man. I'm just focusing on getting the feeling, getting the emotion, and I close it and I'll start again the next yeah. day. Yeah, and so closing it, like what's, what's the purpose of that? Like why don't you just keep going? Well, I retain excitement for the next day because yeah. it like it, it tricks my mind because like I'm a bit of an overthinker. So if I continue going down the rabbit hole of like trying to caress it and then like create the full track, mm. then I start to overthink that process. Yep. So like I leave while the excitement's really high, yeah, like cool. while I've got the win and then I come back the next day. Yeah. 
Um, and then like it makes me more excited to come back the next day because like I'm pumped to get into this yeah, year. Do you sick. know what I mean? I love it. It's such a cool you, process. You try and catch the excitement because like you know I like if I. Like I'm very sort of like I come in ebbs and flows with my inspiration. So yeah. like, you know, if I'm like if I've had like a shitty day in the studio the day before, then my next day I might be like a little bit in my head about getting into the yeah. studio, yeah. which sort of like, you know, puts me in a bit of a lull. So, mm. you know, if I get the win the night before or the day before, you know, depending on what time it is, close my laptop, wake up the next day, I'm like, fuck, I made this mm. idea yesterday. And it's also like it can work the opposite way as well because if you're really in your head about something that day, a good sleep can just take you out of that and you just wake up the next day refreshed and you come in and you're not actually beating yourself up like you were yesterday. We'll go back five years ago to answer the second part of your question. Like I would, would, you know, almost to the point where it would be like torturous to the point Mm -hmm. where I would like sit there and make sure that I like – got to the end, mm. but I wasn't really getting to the end. Mm. If anything, mm. like I was just hurting myself in the process. Yep. And it just like in, in, in that state, like you, you really lose like all sense of like, you know, like the, the golden thread that's sort yeah. of like, you know, the, the, the creative purpose that you have. It's also like the objectivity is like you could think that you're on a really good path and spend hours and hours going down that path and you're like, that sounds like shit. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, after the, spending yeah. six hours on yeah. something that you thought was good. Yeah. Come in the next day, you're like, yeah. I don't know where I was going yeah. with that. So, yeah, keeping it short and sharp is really yeah. And a I cool think that's approach. part of the creative process too. Like, you you know, there's days where I do spend six hours on mm. something, you know, like spend six yeah. hours on an idea and I go back the next day and I think, like, oh, shit, what was I thinking? Mm. Do you know what I mean? But, like, I think it's like it's the art of, like, it's the art of creativity and, you know, like sometimes you have to go down that rabbit hole. Um, to only realise the next day that it's, that's, it's, it wasn't right. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you, you know, you might be playing with a new for me it's like playing with new plugins that's yeah. where i kind of go down rabbit holes these days it's like yeah. what does this compressor do that the other one doesn't do <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then it's like you you'll spend hours going and you know you're learning you're kind of going uh, subconsciously a lot of the time like oh i can use this on this application or i yes. can use this for you it might be chords yeah. it's like oh i've never used this chord before where would that fit in yeah. in the context of a song or yeah, you know yeah. a drum loop or something like yeah. that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so when when you're like, how do you know when you're on a good path then? Like, I guess, you know, practice is a lot, has a lot to do with it. But like, what sticks out to you when you go, this is it, let's go, let's go? Um, I think it's, for, for me, like, I just have to trust my intuition. Like, when I get mm. that gut feeling, I think, and it's what I've always, like, always had to trust. Mm. Um like I've never, I'm not a, I've, I've never learned an instrument. Like you know, I probably learned guitar for maybe like two years. Mm. Um, so I was never really good at it. Like I've lost, I've lost all knowledge. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. I picked up a guitar now, I wouldn't know how to play it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like in the early piece, like I really had to trust like intuition and like, um, you know, that feeling or that moment where you have that moment where you're like, okay, shit, I'm onto something here. Like mm. let's run with it. Um, so yeah, for me, it's like just a lot about into intuition. Um. Or, you know, even if I'm referencing like another song, like if I sort of like hit the feeling or the emotion, then like knowing that that I'm on that right path. Mm. And what kind of, like I know you, when you were here, you were doing a lot of mood boards and you were kind of crafting the space that you wanted to, even the, the layout of your room and how that looked and stuff. There was a lot of that to kind of get you in the right mindset. Do you still do that sort of thing? Um, yeah, not as intense. I think yeah. like sometimes it, you can shoot yourself in the yeah. foot, I think, you know what I mean? Like, Back you yourself know, into a corner sort you know, of thing. It's like, you know, you have to light a particular incense before, mm. you know, you start or, you know, like <laughs> this and that. Whereas like now I'm just sort of like I put it like um, I just I have like like one sense that is just always going in my yeah. room yeah. Um, and like I might make myself a coffee and like turn some music on in the background and yeah. like get into it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. there's no like real particular layout um, as such. But I suppose like you know, at least over the last six months, like I've become really like, um, like I've got a clear idea of like two things, whether like the, the visual aesthetic, you know, that I'm aiming for and the sonic identity that I'm aiming for. Mm -hmm. So like, I really only focus on like nailing those two sets of the brief when I'm in the studio. Do you know what I mean? Um, and there might be times where I sort of like, you know, uh, like have a bit of a creative streak and push out into another like field or whatever it might be. But majority of the time having those like two sort of pillars of understanding of what I'm in the studio for, like mm. allows me to stay on that path. Mm. Yeah. That's really cool. It's really cool. I, I, and you've always been such a, like a collaborative person with your music as well. I want to talk about that. Like 
you know, and again, how it's kind of differed these days compared to, you know, five years ago, like has the collaboration process changed and how do you go about approaching people to work with? And, and I know that's a really big kind of field of, but let, let's kind of attack it. Let's maybe start with back in the day when you would work with people, how would you reach out to them? Yeah. Um, so like majority of the time it would just be like, um, like DMs on Instagram and whatnot. So mm-hmm. just like sending a bunch of demos out to artists and seeing if they'd be interested to work on something with me. Um, you know, uh, majority of the time you get no replies, which is like frustrating in itself. <laughs> yeah. um, but you'd sort of like, you know, you'd strike a couple um, and yeah. like back five years ago, um, it would be a lot about, you know, like getting the artists, you know, to write in their own space and, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, get some like um, top line ideas going. Didn't have to be any lyrical content, just make sure the melodies are right, blah, yeah, blah, blah, sure, over, yeah. the, over the demo. Um, and then obviously there'd be a process where, you know, they'd write lyrics and sort of, we'd come in and we'd record and all that sort of stuff. Um, and that took, that took so long. Like it was, I think, you know, from when you'd probably connect with the artist when the song was done, it would take like four or five months. Mm. Um, and you know, it's, it's sort of like, I suppose it's not a long time as such, but I think like now the process has changed where it's a lot about, connecting with artists um, and actually getting in the studio with them, Mm. like, you know, getting in there and like the first session, you know, being the top line session where we're just getting like melodic ideas down Mm. um, and formulating those ideas, but also having a clear, clear vision of like where I want to go with the songs. So Mm. for instance, like now, you know, um, I've been working with uh, Ramaran, um, who's a really, really good, like, um, vocalist, songwriter, um, and we've been like really collaborative in that process where, you know, my intention for the like the new batch of music was to make sure that, you know, the songs meant something to me. So, yeah. you know, learning about like, you know, songwriting in itself, um, like mm-hmm. I've never been a good songwriter. So like sitting there and being like, what do I want this song to be about? Like, mm-hmm. and like make sure it means something to me. And I think, you know, like that process, you know, didn't take as long, but, um, you know, being in the studio and being able to sort of like, you know, like uh, communicate when, you know, when you're not feeling something is much mm-hmm. easier than, you know, an artist sending you something yeah. and then being like, hey, I don't like this. And then, you know, then it takes another two weeks for yeah. them to re-record and then yep. you come back and then it's like, oh, maybe not this, you know. Yeah, so sure. I think the collaborative process has changed in the sense that it's sort of like more, um, you know, in person now as opposed to like yeah. online. And there's a few things there. Um your music obviously being as emotional as it is, you know, there needs to be a certain sort of energy to it and you know what you want to look for yeah, yeah and you know when it's not there immediately, yeah. right? Yeah, like, you know, when someone's not singing it the way that you want them to sing it or whatever, yeah. which is really important if they're the vocalist on your song, yes, right? You know, it's a collaborative thing, so it's both of your songs, but, you know, it's a London Topaz project. Yeah. Therefore, it's in your head the way that you want it to feel and yeah. sound and all that sort of stuff. So giving that feedback in the moment and feeding off someone's energy in the studio, I know because I've done a couple of vocal tracking sessions with you before and I I see when you click and you go, yeah, we're on the right path <laughs> and you're like dancing and like giving the good feedback to the, to the singer and stuff like that. So without being there in person to give that immediate feedback, like you said, it just not only takes a long time, but how you communicate over like an email or a text is so different to, Hey, you're doing it this way. I want to hear it sort of slightly. It's just like so much different. It's a completely black and white, different process. Well, you don't know how to take like an email sometimes. Sometimes if you're, you know, for instance, if it's a younger artist and you, you know, you have some criticism to it, like it could like, you know, come across as you being like really rude. So then it just sort of like, you know, stumps them creatively and they just sort of like, they don't get it. Yeah. They just get in their own head because they're thinking of the wrong thing. It's like, yeah, I didn't mean that at all. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, thanks so much for listening so far. There is plenty more to come, so don't go anywhere. I just wanted to let you know that this podcast is made completely independently by myself with no sponsors. So if you like what you hear and you would like to show your support, you can send a donation to the PayPal link, paypal.me slash what's that sound. The link is also in the show notes. Thanks so much for your support and let's get back to it. Talk to us now about, you know, what, a songwriting session or a production session might look like 
when you get in the studio these days? Like you're working out of their studios, right? Is that yeah? Is it pretty much exclusively that way? Um, so like uh, for for a little bit there, like as I was writing new music, like I was there like two two to three days a week um, at Joy Luck Studio um, out in Thornbury. Um, so Jack Aronson, Ramaran um, own that studio. So mm-hmm. I was working predominantly out of there with both of them. Um, now just working from a spare bedroom at home, but I do jump in, um, every now and then, but, yeah. um, yeah, like I suppose, you know, uh, like how, like how it looks, it's sort of like, um, you know, for me now, like it's a lot about, um, you know, making sure that I'm working with the right people who mm-hmm. really, really see my vision. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jack and Claire have been really, really good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if it's a production session, um, you know, just setting a clear intent on like what what we're aiming for in that day. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's like, you know, um, you know, identifying what the song needs. So like, you know, um, speaking about it prior and then having like a clear intention is into like what we're doing. So whether it's like, you know, quite literally like pulling apart a song because we made it like 12 months ago mm-hmm. and then deciding that it needs like, you know, new bass since, um, mm-hmm. you know, new this, new that, you yeah. come back with it like yeah. with completely fresh ears. So yeah, just yeah. having a really clear understanding of what, what your intention is when you're going into the studio, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's the same with the songwriting session, like knowing what song you're working on, um, you know, knowing reference songs that, you know, that you would have like potentially written chords around um, or what, you know, what you want to write about, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean, what sort of emotion you want in this record and then being very clear and open with the person that you're working with um, has really, really helped sort of streamline that process Mm -hmm. um, for me. especially over the last like six months Mm. and it's cool because you know i think based on what you've said you like to work quickly Mm. you know you like to get things done you have the intention you go we're going into the studio to retrack bass or read you know read rewrite some of the lyrics or something like that you're not there to mess around it's it's very intentional you're getting it done and that is also great for the other people that you're working with as well. You know, you're not wasting any time as fun as it is to hang out in the studio and mess around with like keyboard patches and whatever. <laughs> yeah. If you know the intention, you know, the outcome of what you want that day, it's a lot quicker and it just like feels, feels like, yep, we got it done today. It yeah. feels really. And again, like you said, right at the start of this podcast is like, you're going into the next session being like, yep, we did it last time. Let's do it again. Yeah. Yeah. And it sets a positive environment, like a really like strong collaborative like environment, um, you know, like, you know, from the get go as well, like when you have that clear intention as well, you know, but there's been many times where there's like a teething process with mm. producers and you may have seen it as well, where, yeah, you know, yeah. you sort of jump in initially and, you know, the first session or the second session might not go as you planned. Mm. Um, but, you know, you, you have an inkling or an understanding that there is something there between yeah. like you two and you can make it work. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, you know, like if you go into a producer versus producer session, it's a bit of a battle to, mm-hmm. of, you know, understanding each other's workflow mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what yep. works, um, yep. you know, whereas I find songwriting sessions a little bit easier for me because like you know i'm not as i'm not a confident songwriter so like mm-hmm. i let the songwriter take lead cool. and i just let like you know um let my intuition sort of like guide the session as yeah. such um and then you know i might be wrong on certain things you know what i mean and then mm-hmm. you know i'm always open to like learning from the songwriter because mm. you know it's not my it's not my strong suit yeah and i think that is also just building your relationship as well you know it's totally fine to to not be on the same page a lot of the time in the, in the first few sessions because you are trying to understand each other and it it might happen even in like a producer songwriter session or like you're getting a specific vocalist on your track or something like that. You have to understand how that person likes to well, to work well. And as a producer, it is our kind of job somewhat to make them feel comfortable, especially if it's on your songs or something like that. You want to be able to, make them feel comfortable and be able to work the way they want to work. But also you need to get stuff done the way that you want it. So there's a bit of give and take, but I think it's good to unpack that and, and work through those difficulties because when you get past them and then you do finally click and you start to understand, okay, that person needs this. They need to, you know, have a shot of vodka before they start singing or something. I don't know. (laughs) could be whatever. Once you start to understand that, 
those next few sessions, you're actually going to get the really good stuff. Yeah. yeah you're going to, it's yeah. going to be tough. The first few, uh, you yeah. might feel like it's a waste of time or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, I think too, like one thing that I've really sort of learned as well during like in, in this process is like, you know, to be really personable as well. Like, you know, like jumping in the studio and like, like I've had conversations for like an hour before we started recording. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it's not about music. It's just like mm. general talk, like mm. just getting to know the person, making them feel comfortable. Like a lot of the time, like I've walked into studio sessions, like super nervous, do you know mm. what I mean? And then like, you know, you sort of get in front of the, get in front of the computer, or the laptop and you're like, you're shaking. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like difficult. Yeah. So like, I don't want to make someone, someone feel like that. So for me, it's like, you know, jumping in the studio, like sitting down, um, having a conversation about things, like what they like, what they enjoy, what they're up to, um, mm. just general life conversation, which always like, you know, it's sort of like chills the energy, Mm. Um, you get to know one another um, and then recording is like super easy. Like I did a session the other day um, and I think I recorded for half an hour and spoke for like three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but like um, the vocalist had like um, I think they're like nodules on it or uh, so we're like chilling out sort of thing. But, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like it was just nice and like that's what the day was meant to be and we yeah. got some sick vocal ideas and they were just like two tracks um, like – one layer of vocal the whole like, whole mm. way through and it gave me enough to like you know to have like two songs to work on mm. and, and and walk away and be like that was a great session and i got mm. to know someone like really well so good yeah and like you said that's what it was meant to be and it's like it, it can be a difficult battle of being like what are my expectations of this session but also how do i kind of let it flow yeah and like how do i let it take the shape that it's supposed to take yeah, yeah. without putting too much pressure on either of us yes to reach maybe the outcome that we thought so can be can can be tough but it's only with experience and the amount of practice that you put into it you can't expect you know say if you're a a vocalist or something you can't expect that you've only done six recording sessions in your whole life to be able to understand those nuances of of a certain day you might not be feeling right your voice might not be working your brain might not be working the way you might have a shit sleep or something like that yeah you only know that with time and experience. So you've yep. got to really put in those hours. Yes, definitely. Yeah, And, yep. the, and the years that it takes to actually years. build up that understanding of yep. and the intuition like you were talking about before. Yep. Let's get specific about like, you know, the things that you love to work on in a song or, or in, an, in a project or something like that. You know, what are, what are your, some, some of your favourite kind of areas of a song that you love to work on? Yeah. Um, so I suppose like I, I guess like once I get the idea down, like as we spoke of previously, like I think like my favourite area um, is is obviously like sort of like working with like all those like sort of like upper half synth parts, you know what I mean? Like those like, you know, mid to high range frequencies. Cool. Uh, can't stand bass sometimes because I yeah. can never find like a cool bass. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, I really love sort of like um, getting into those like those pad sounds and those like synth sounds because I feel mm. like that's where a lot of like like the emotion lies for yeah. me. I'm like, I always talk about the emotion, but like, it's just something that I always tend to like sort of push towards. Yeah. So, um, that could be, uh, you know, whether I have like a set of chords, um, and then experimenting with, you know, like a particular synth line, um, or, you know, splitting, you know, those chords up into like different parts and like playing with like, you know, like a more like atmospheric sound and then like having something more in that like mid range sort of that's yeah. like holding it together. Um, and just experimenting with like different sounds and how I can like, get get a certain emotion out of it um Mm. and just like allow allow that to hold hold place for you know for 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 bass and you know all those percussion elements and whatnot so do you Um, find that like those sorts of areas of the song you tend to do early on yeah, yeah, so I that think everything else falls into place. Yeah, I think so. Like I tend to like I think like the first two things that I really focus on is obviously like, you know, the the chords and then like obviously what's going to happen like underneath. And I don't have like, you know, a real understanding of what's going to happen until I get that top top mm. part done like those synth sort of stuff. Yeah, um yeah. so like I tend to always, you know, like gets you know get those synth elements like mm. locked in first yeah um which i don't know if it's the right way to do to be totally honest There's but no i don't right think way. there is a process <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i always that's that's something that i intuitively always like you know push towards first um yeah. you know uh whether it's you know like the chords um or you know like creating like atmospheres on mm. top and whatnot to be able to like get lift lift the track up a mm. little bit before i start doing and, things and how much referencing are you doing of other artists tracks or is it a lot of like now nah, i'm just going to kind of go with my gut or is it like hang on how do they do that yeah i think like especially now like um i'm definitely referencing a lot um 
a, like a lot of music, I think, um, mm. which is also good and bad because you can sort of sort of get locked into yeah. like you know, like completely like like taxing like a reference essentially. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's kind of you know once you get the idea out, like it's for me like I have to like cancel the reference and then like move in my own lane sure. at a, at a particular point. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think now because sort of like I feel stale in like that emotive part um, where I feel like I'm doing the same thing. Mm. Like I'm referencing like a lot of things in terms of like I'm trying to find like the the small details in references yes. where I can sort of like be like, oh, I didn't hear that last mm-hmm. time. Do you know what I mean? Because like yeah. sometimes, you know, well, previously when I'd be referencing, like I'd be looking for one particular part, whether it yeah. was like, a, you know, the mid frequency of how they, they, you know, they held together something in that area. Whereas like now, like for instance, I'm looking at ways – I think when you make like a melancholy music, like it's very easy to to make things sound really like down um, and and sad. Whereas like I'm trying to find that balance of how to like uplift things. Mm. So like finding a lot of artists that you know make that type of music, but are able to like add a lot of like atmospheric elements. Yeah, yeah. So like I'm doing a lot of messing around with like you know um, some granule synths, um, like sound toys, like crystallizer, cool. um, just to get those like you know those really like top elements, soundscapey, soundscapey stuff, stuff yeah. happening. Um, naturally and just learning all that sort of stuff. At well, the yeah, and I think the, the style of music you create is, yeah, I, I mean, I've dabbled in it just experimentally. I haven't, I've released a couple of sort of upbeat, dancey <laughs> sort of stuff, but it's not my forte. Yeah. But it's it's that balance of like, yeah, you, you might have a whole lot of different tracks in it in the song, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. And it's like really tough to find that balance of like stacking things yeah. to create that ambience yeah. but also like does that really need to be there yes i yeah. don't know man that's tough yeah and the thing is i think like majority <laughs> of the time like i find i find myself just like in the end like when i get into a mix session particularly like i feel like for instance like in the pro- in, in the production process when you're adding those like things it's like yeah. you, you, you're potentially trying to fill space yeah and then you get into a mix session and you start to like mix the record yeah. and you're sort of like oh, it doesn't need, know, to, just be doesn't need to be yeah. there yeah <laughs> yeah man that's crazy that's cool. So um, I also want to know like about, you know, what you're actually using. We always talk about nerdy stuff here on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So let, let's dive into, you know, what software are you using? Let's start off with that and, and why. Yeah. Um, so Ableton, um, Ableton Live, um, I made the move uh, probably like four years ago to Ableton. Like I was a I was an FL Studio user mm-hmm. um, and, yeah, that's sort of like I think Ableton was sort of like the industry standard. Like mm-hmm. a lot of my friends were using Ableton um, and I was finding it hard to collaborate. So like I just made the sure. move. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Ableton is sort of like intuitive in terms of like getting ideas out. It's really, really good. Like it's predominantly made for like a live setting. So yeah. like being able to like flow ideas out, mm-hmm. like it's really, really good in that sense. Um so yeah, love Ableton. Um, sort of like I know it like the, the back of my hand yeah, now. Yeah, and is, I've, I've nice. seen you live once as well, which yeah. is really really yeah. cool. At the at the uh, what was it, the Palais? Palais, yeah, that was yeah. Cool. yeah. <laughs> that was so random. It was like right after lockdowns lifted, and yeah. it was just like a small intro. Like you played people. on the stage. Yeah, yeah. We sat on the stage. Yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> you played on the stage, of course. But yeah, we sat on the stage. That was fun. But um, does that also fact that fact that has to factor in to you being able to play a live set ableton's like made for that for electronic music like the ability to transfer that into a live capacity yeah well like when i did the live show like i was what how i would work it was when i was still working on fl so i would like export all like you know all the multi-tracks um like get them mixed um and then stack them together into like synth groups percussion groups um bass groups vocals fx and whatnot and then that would go into ableton um, whereas like, I think like back then I'd have someone, you know, like essentially set up the whole live show for me, but now right. obviously like knowing Ableton, like cool. I can sort of set it up and understand how to get things to automate and all yeah, that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah. So See, it's much easier in that sense. So yeah. Yeah. Mint. And, um, do you use much hardware anymore? Is there like, I know you're using like drum pads and stuff like that for the live show, but for, yeah. for creation, no, in just st- keyboards. And- in, in studio, like I, I predominantly keep it relatively like in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had a, I bought a profit um, during, during lockdown um, just cause it was like a thing to do. I suppose yeah. like, you know, um, learn a bit of hardware synth and like awesome synth, um, like loved it. But I just feel like if I get pulled out of the box, then I lose a lot of the inspiration. Like, sure. um, like at this point where I'm at, like I would, would much rather like work with a soft synth where I can get a sound, you know, sounding like, you know, 
you know, 80% of what, mm. what, what a profit would um, and then be able to like go back in and tinker it the next day without yeah. having to like get the patch up, re-record, yeah. you know, recording automation and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like, you know, now for instance, like I know Serum like the back of my hands. Yeah, sure, um, yeah. So, you know, and I have, you know, I've got all my like presets organized yeah, into exactly. like, you know, into, into, into categories and I know where everything is and, you know, like I've got a particular like, you know, preset folder where it's like strictly like London Topaz mm-hmm. stuff. Um, so going into that, like I know that I'm able to like, you know, get a sound that I want, mm-hmm. get it within, you know, like 30 seconds, yeah, 100%. you know, tweak it a little bit um, and then, you know, have a rough idea of, of where I'm at. Mm. Um, so like that initial process for me is all in the box. Mm. Um, you know, there might be some songs, um, for instance, sometimes like I'll go to like my Korg Minilog to record some like bass patches yep. um, because, again, like I've, you know, I've got a couple of patches on there that I know sound good, do you yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Um, so like I'll <laughs> jump in there and and use the Minilog but majority of the time, dude, like I'm all in the box, yeah, um, yeah. Serum, um but I was like diva, um, and and that's and that's really it. Yeah, yeah. And so curating those patches, how long do you feel like it took you to get to the point where you're like, okay, now I've got my sound bank where this is the London Topaz sound sort of yeah. thing. <clears throat> um, yeah, I think it's like there's there was no like real time period. I think it's just like always like understanding like you know I suppose understanding your sonic identity and mm. then like knowing when when you know you're making a patch or if you find a preset that is in that world and then you have to like tweak it mm-hmm. like knowing that always having that in the back of your mind that you know that this could be a potential like you know source for whether it's this song or the next song yep. so um you know like never deleting anything as well yeah. like you know always saving patches and being like you know there's something in that that could yes. be cool and yep. it might not work for this song but it could work for the next yeah. song yeah um so like there was you know i think probably like the the last two years I've really had that mindset in terms of like understanding my sonic identity mm. on like a real like a real deep level yeah. um to be able to like know that you know when I get to a particular point it's like okay this is cool let's save mm. this do you know what I mean yeah and I think like it just improves your workflow so much as well when you're focused on that side of things as well for me it's really important to to do the exact same thing especially for mixing and and production as well is like you know, always going back when I'm archiving my sessions, I mm. will save all the presets that I've used in that session. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And file organization is so yeah. crucial yeah. to know exactly where all my presets are saved. So these days the way I like to do it is is um, by organizing it into the type of thing that it is, whether it's a guitar patch or a vocal patch yeah. or something like that, and then by the project that I've worked on. So the artist name is the the next folder. So yeah. the subfolder is the cool. artist name that I've worked on. And then from there, the actual preset name is the song of that artist yes. that I've worked on. Yeah. So for me, it's really intuitive because it's like, okay, I know that I want to have a sound similar to that song that I worked on with that artist. Yeah. I know exactly where to find it. It takes me t- 10 seconds to find that preset. Yeah. Just drop and drag it into that pat- into yes. that um, track that I'm working on. Yeah, of course. And so it's a similar thing, but in the time that it takes you to actually do that, yeah, it sounds like a lot, oh, I've got to create the file, I've got to do this and that. It's really once you're in the zone of doing that, it just makes the creation process so much quicker. Oh, 100%. And, f- and for templates and all that sort of stuff yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. templates too. Yeah. Like that's that's been such like a game changer um, in terms of like – and I'm, I'm constantly changing my template yeah. um, because like, you know, like uh, there could be like things, things that I improve on in terms of like workflow. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know – great like that's you know like I got that idea out like so much quicker than what I would have with the previous template let's say this template and continue so like for instance like you know setting things up like in 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 a real strict working order um you know whether it's like so for instance like I have everything like I have my kick drum separate to everything Mm -hmm. then I have like my cup my percussion groups set up with like um like battery um, where I can, you know, like like I can play in stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, then I have like drum racks set up just with like hats. Yep. Um, I might have like noise hats um, and then I've got like a set of claps and I try and keep it like, you know, five to six sounds in every like drum rack yep. um, that I know are good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's a part of like, you know, allowing ideas to come out knowing yeah. that like, I'm, like I've got everything I need in the session that I know sounds good initially yes i mean i can always change it yeah exactly. um but you know like those sounds are there just to get it to get a vibe and then like you know the synth patches the synth group as well is the same like i might have you know um a serum like pad patch that mm-hmm. i know 
sounds good that has worked with other songs. So I yep. might have like something in that like, you know, like lower mid-range frequency that, you know, like I know can, you know, hold things together but I also might have something that's a little bit higher mm. and a little bit more airy yep. um, and then a couple like, you know, like a sub patch, maybe like a race bass and more mm. of like a plucky bass as well. So yeah. just when I'm just <clears throat> formulating those ideas, it's just really easy for me to go like I know where this is mm. and I know how to get it. And it's I love it and the, I think what I used to think when I was first starting was like doing that tends to, you know, I always had this idea that I'll just always be creating the same song, but you're just not. You're just, you're more actually creating a certain sound. Yes. Which can translate. And yeah, you'll notice if you listen to albums of certain artists, they tend to have similar sounds across the whole body of work that uh, it kind of gives that album that sound or something like that, that project, that sound. And that's really cool because it kind of puts you in a, like a place in time. Yes. It kind of go, yeah. oh, that, that's what I was using in 2023. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, maybe I'll bring that back for one song well, and give I think it like that vintage vibe. Vintage London Topaz. I think it's essential though. Like I think like majority of the albums that you listen to, like, and you vouch for this, it's like, you know, like that album like enca- encapsulates like a moment mm-hmm. or like, you know, a particular sound or like an energy or something yeah. that like there's something always like there's a thread in that album that holds it together. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And like, yep. like where's listeners might not know it unless you know the artist, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like that artist, it might be, you know, like whether it's working in a particular studio or having the same template sure, set up yeah, or like being point. really interested, you know, in using one particular synth, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Or, you know, using a particular plugin on something that made it sound mm. like, you know, really weird or whatever it yeah, might true. be. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so there's yeah. always a thread that 100%. that that holds something together. Um yep. and that's what makes I think like, you know, um, you know, artists feel original to me, you know, like the artists yeah. that I listen to at least. And it also like just makes it more interesting. Yeah. Like you it's it's really cool to unpack. And I, I, I know a lot of people that kind of you, you kind of hear in like I don't know whatever it is, is like the, the common speak about certain artists that change their sound from album to album. And yeah, people yeah. Can tend to get butthurt about that. They're <laughs> like, Oh, I wish they sounded like they did 10 years ago. And it's like, nah, that's actually what makes it super interesting. Yes. I lo- yeah. Some of my favorite artists have changed that many times mm-hmm. and that's what keeps it fresh and exciting. Yeah. yeah th- on the other hand, there's some artists that are super reliable when they, you, you know, you're going to listen to them. You're going to get that sound. Yeah. But I, for me, it's re- a lot more important that people keep trying new things and keep keeping things interesting and trying a new, yeah, whatever it might be. Well, it is. It's like the evolution of growth, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's like, you know, I mean, you know, you're never going to stay in the same point for the rest of your life, you know what I mean? Yeah. And especially as a creative, like you have to like find new sources of inspiration and the things mm-hmm. that inspire you, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, I don't know, like, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, they, you know, they're, their their well known album. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Which I wouldn't even know what it is, but it's yeah. like you know the, what you know what is it? <laughs> <laughs> they got eight. So they got I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, some of the music that yeah, I yeah. listened to, like it's like you know that that was like the Red Hot Chili Peppers I knew, but what they yeah. released like last year was completely yeah. different. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. So it's like no yeah. one's going to stay the same for twenty nah, years. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I love it. Well, um, one thing I like to do as we start to wrap it up, and it can be a potentially difficult <laughs> question, but I like to ask for your like one really solid bit of bit of advice, and it's cool because you straddle both the producer and the artist um, side, so it's cool that you can cover both of those. But yeah, the the one piece of advice that you have for producers and engineers as well, and then on the other hand, artists. Okay, um, so a bit of advice for producers and engineers. Um, so. Um, I think it's sort of like for me, like let things be organic um, as a producer and an engineer. Um, like, you know, as I said earlier in the um, when we we're talking, like let ideas be ideas. Um, you know, let let your creativity flow through um, and find inspirations in whatever way um, you feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, and then don't worry about what things sound like initially. Like mm-hmm. just let let an idea inspire you. Um, you know, whether it's in, you know, in a chord, you know, in a bass, um, you know, whether it's like, you know, a particular melody, um, you know, in whatever way you find inspiration, mm-hmm. like let that come organically yep. um, and, you know, and let that inspire you for like tomorrow's session. Mm. Um, and I suppose like, you know, that in itself has been like a really, really like um, 
like inspiring process for me because like, you know, I have like 10 ideas, like, you know, sitting in like a, in a folder now and I'm really excited to like go into all of them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just to hear how they sound yeah, and like yeah. develop them, yeah. you know, and five of them may be great, you yeah. know, but. And I, I, the one thing that I can reflect on for knowing you for a little while is there was that period where you were kind of finding it hard to overcome that mental block of yeah. like not allowing just to find inspiration and going with the flow and stuff. You were in your head a lot and you were yeah. kind of stopping yourself from doing stuff. And that's, I've told you this a bunch of times in the last few months. It's like really cool to see you releasing music again because it seems as though from the outset, because I haven't been talking to you as much, mm. is that you have been just kind of going with the flow a lot more and just yeah. kind of like letting things happen the way they're meant to happen and, and yeah. just like committing and getting to that release point of just putting it out there. It's just like not controlling the process and that's mm. the thing. It's like, you know, you just have to be like just remain remain open like and have fun with it. Like I think, you know, the moment that you start overthinking and coming down on yourself, mm. you know, like a ton of bricks is when you like you suck the fun out of it and it becomes mm. really, really hard. So that's, yep. that's probably like my biggest advice for producers and engineers is that yeah. like, you know, have fun with your ideas and just continue to like be inspired in whatever yeah, way cool. that means for you. Yep. And then for artists... Um, for artists, I think it's having like a really clear vision, um, you know, having a clear, clear vision of your identity, who you want to be, um, you know, a clear sonic understanding of, you know, the type of sound you want, Mm -hmm. um, a clear understanding of, you know, um, who you are, the visual aesthetic that you want to portray, whether that's on like social media or when you play, um, you know, having those two pillars set in stone, um, is is really a game changer for artists to be able to like understand where they're going mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah and that's really really helped me yeah i love it and you know we obviously talked about that at the start of the podcast is like all those things that you said is it, it's it's so it's so true and it allows you to kind of get in the mindset of <clears throat> i am that person for this project and i am on this day i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna feel like this i'm gonna yes. and don't beat yourself if, if you're not but it, it just allows you to get into that mindset a lot easier and just yeah. kind of find your place a little bit easier and not challenging yourself, not questioning yourself a lot. Yeah, and that's a big thing, like the whole questioning yourself. I think when you when you when you question who you are, it's like you might need to just like pull back and like try and sort of refine the vision a little mm-hmm. bit more. And it doesn't happen overnight. Like it's taken me years and years and years, and it might change again in a couple yeah. of years, or it might change it tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, will. it definitely yeah. will. Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. So. You know, for me now, like that's the advice that I'd give and, you know, if I come on again, I'll probably say something different. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it, man. That's sick. Well, thank you for joining me. You, uh, this has been sick. Um, I'm stoked to connect with you again. But um, I'll have all the links in uh, the show notes, but uh, just verbally, where can people find you? Um, so Instagram, uh, London Topaz. Um, TikTok is London Topaz. And yep. Facebook is London Topaz. Yeah, and Spotify and Apple Music. London Topaz, London, London Topaz. Topaz. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it simple. <laughs> Yeah. Love it. It's so good, man. Well, yeah, thanks again, man. Appreciate you, man. your time. Appreciate it. And thanks to everyone for checking this podcast out. Really appreciate it. What really helps us if you can share the podcast on your stories, DMs, in an actual conversation with a human, um, that just gets the, the word out about this podcast and spreads it to as many people as possible. We want to educate. We want to help people learn. Um, and that's the best way that you can do that. And also by hitting follow or subscribe on all of the podcast platforms so that you can stay up to date with each new episode. But that's about it from us for today. So thank you and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to What's That Sound. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe on your podcast platform to stay up to date with each new episode. We'll catch you next time.